Ladies and mung eyes, welcome back to the Bali Rooftop Podcast. I've finally got my ass in gear and decided to talk some shit with you. Uh, this is only the second installation of the Bali Rooftop Podcast, but we've smashed out a lot of artists on the roof. Well, not smashed them out. Let's say they're still healthy and living. No one's fallen off yet. Uh, We've had a lot of artists come up on the rooftop and record songs and all sorts of stuff, actually. We've had, uh, you know, yeah, folk, acoustic action. We've had some serious dubstep loops with Tikatane from from uh, New Zealand, who played at the Orchard recently. Uh, and then we've had Spoken Word, a girl called Nina. Uh, incredible lineup. So we've got a whole bunch of stuff that we can definitely put up on this podcast and I'll get a few songs up today along with another interview and but yeah I just thought I'd check in and get this podcast going because I'm on the way back from Soundrenaline one of the biggest Indonesian music festivals held in Bali and it was a massive lineup it was awesome um, I was lucky enough to have a little spot on a stage there at the camp stage and got to hang out with a whole bunch of amazing talented peeps uh, for the over the whole course of the weekend and see some some wicked talent. The biggest disappointment for me, I think, was uh, Limp Ass Bizquat, who that uh, was just... Uh, I'm still confused. I'm just confused. Who the fuck was that? I don't know. I was looking for... I, was, I wasn't a big Limp Bizwad fan when I was growing up. Uh, but I did want to appreciate an international act like that who have been around for so long and what they do. I was looking forward to seeing the uh, the guitarist whack his guitar and jump around and stay in tune because he's supposed to be brilliant. But man, that Fred Durst, that was like it was literally like watching a ten-year-old pretend to be Fred Durst. I don't know if he was on something or it was just like one minute he's like. Thank you so much for having us. You people are so warm. So hospitable. Fuck you! You do fucking want a party or what? You fucking sleepy poos! It's just all over the shop. Like watching a schizophrenic on acid. Or ketamine, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, it was overall, it was an awesome festival. Highlights for me, Zat Kimia. Who were just killing it? Uh, they were they were on the creative stage, the creators stage. Uh, Elephant Kind, who are playing at the Orchard. I don't know how soon I'm going to get this podcast out, but they're playing at the Orchard on Tuesday night. That's Tuesday, the 11th of September. Uh, doing a secret show there. Not so secret anymore, is it? Is it? Uh, it was a secret until I think nine o'clock Sunday night after they played no longer a secret so anyway if this is if you're listening to this by Tuesday September 11th get your ass to the orchard if you're in Bali because they're doing a show and they're going to be awesome uh, yeah anyway massive weekend good good proper festival fun get where cares looking way better it used to be dusty and cloud storms and uh, they've, they've paved it all up so it's just it's a good place to wander around now, and it was packed, steaming, like a festival should be, rock and roll. And they had like a real 
good mix of more leaning towards independent artists, indie sounds, just a whole mix from like real sort of deep, uh, deep, deep beats, I guess, like deep electronic sort of beats, right through to you know there was a kind of grungy '90s grungy rock trio, all female trio from Thailand uh, called Yellow Fang. They were awesome. Uh, really mixed it up this year. It was good. Anyway, I'm now on the other scale of the Bali extremities and trying to get back to the rooftop and I'm stuck in this horrendous traffic that seems to be clogging up the arteries of Bali like a big fat mechanical varicose vein. <sighs> it's been hours and hours just... God, I wish they had more automatic cars in Bali because you have feet on the clutch and the brake. Switching back and forth in this traffic is just like being on a treadmill for half your life. Where are these people all going? Where are they going? Everyone's in a rush to relax somewhere. Anyway, I might hit you up with a song... Not even sure which one yet, but um, let's let's have a quick listen to something right now. Someone who was on the rooftop recently. Here we go. I can't stop wondering how things would be if you were mine. We were each other's You'd be so kind to me And somehow we'd make it last Yeah, yeah. I'd see the inside of your heart You'd see my color
Kids, I'm back out of the road rage mobile into beautiful recording conditions back at the house. Beautiful recording conditions besides the sound of my flatmate Phil banging on next door with his goddamn guitar. Would you shut up? Ah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Music. Uh, speaking of that, yeah, the, the track that you just heard was by Leanna Rachel. Uh, an amazing singer-songwriter that's been based in Bali for some time. Incredibly good friend of mine. We perform a lot together. Uh, so she performed also at uh, Sound Adrenaline on the camp stage. And so I thought I'd play you a couple of artists that were at Sound Adrenaline, considering I'm banging on about it so much. Uh, so that was Leanna Rachel. Check her out. Go to the BaliRooftop.com website and you'll find links to, you'll find the video of that performance and you'll find links to all her stuff there. Now I'm going to play you a song by Ian Stevenson, who is the singer and writer for Zat Kimia, uh, an amazing local producer, singer-songwriter. This is his song, Ennui. Lovely. Ennui, take three. Excites me the things I haven't seen, the songs I haven't heard, a place I haven't been. It's my temptation, a means to justify the fire in my eyes, desire burning deeper. And when the rage subsides, creeps into my skin, it feels alive. The vessels in my brain disturbs the mind, protects me from the pain, it heals, it lies. Salute the soul, salute 
the senses. Life is more than making sense. To cure the soul, to cure the senses. I find the answer when it's over. And when the rage subsides It creeps into my skin It feels alive Vessels in my brain That stirs the mind Protects me from the pain It heals, it lies more than making sense so to cure the soul to cure the sense I find the answer when it's over oh 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 oh, oh. There you go, that was Ian Stevenson from Zat Kimia. Uh, head to thebarleyrooftop.com to watch the video that corresponds with that beautiful recording. Uh, next up, I'm going to play you a chat I had with Rudolf Daytu, uh, who is a local Balinese music manager, along with, uh, well, he's, he's known as a music propagandist. We'll talk about why. Uh, he's an artist manager, political activist, writer and storyteller. 
and he's uh, he's had a huge effect on the industry within Indonesia, and he's very respected for that for many reasons. We chat, yeah, I guess we we chat a fair bit here about his involvement in managing the band Superman is Dead, a Balinese uh, punk band who have become quite famous, well, very famous, infamous even uh, on a national level and international level, and Day Two's role in making that happen and telling their story. Uh, so let's flip to a chat I had with him as the sun set behind the rooftop and we sank a shitload of whiskey, which we both love to do, obviously. Uh, you've been pretty busy lately, so what's what's going on in your world? Uh, yeah, I'm, you know that um, this last two, two and a half years, actually I, it, I've been like even busier than, than ever before because I'm... Um, I'm back in show business, which uh, which is in a way it's 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 a good thing, and then but in a way also it makes me very very busy, and uh, you know because uh, I I stop I stop doing uh, show business for for a few years maybe like six or, or seven years because uh, I I did my own thing I tried to. St- I tried to to focus more on on my business and also at the same time. Which business was that? Uh, Suicide Glam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then also because I had to to move to China. Oh no no, I mean uh, I had to focus on Suicide Glam and then after a while the the Suicide Glam thing I I had to leave as well. So so I, I had to move uh, to China and then from there move back to Bali and then move to to Sydney because. My ex-wife, we, uh, she had a sickness, yeah. Uh, yeah, heavy sickness, and then that was in around 2011 until 2014. Uh, early it was quite a, yeah, it was quite a length of time there, wasn't it? Because I remember when you you moved to China and then you were in Australia, and it it did sort of. Even though I knew you were doing what you had to do, and you're obviously going mm. to Australia to be um, with your ex-wife, that was super important. Um, but I do remember thinking, oh man, is he is he ever going to get back into the, yeah. the passions of that he has here? You know, you, yeah, because yeah. I, I sort of met you as the as someone who is so deeply entrenched in the in the music industry here, and and such a such a figure that a lot of people looked up to for sort of carving headway through like just breaking new ground with with bands and genres. Yeah, and yeah, it was I I didn't really really miss it actually. I mean, like, uh, but it wasn't. It was the. It wasn't re- really my fault or or the band's fault uh, that I managed. It was because it was very new for me. So back then, this was back in uh, 1999 to 2000. I started managing bands just because it, I'd never really, uh, and never that I thought that I would become a band manager <laughs> because right. I, I was more. I was more uh, like a. Uh, what do you call it? The, a writer, you know. So it's just because I used to work in a cruise ship, and then I've always been into music. And then I work in a cruise ship, and then came back to to uh, stop doing cruise ship because it, I didn't feel like it was my thing. And then also I just give you the, the whole thing. <laughs> Mate, bring it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by actually. I really am fascinated how you how someone like yourself like because. Uh, I've known you in this last period of your life, but and and I often it's funny because I've known you for what nine years now yeah. I think since we first met moved here. Um, when you know someone for who they are now, you don't often 
ask that many questions about <laughs> yeah. the past. And and having now worked with you musically yeah. and, and management wise, and done a couple of uh, sort of tours, a small um, gigs across Indonesia with you. I, I do often now see people who come up to you and, and respect you for all the things you've done over the years. And so it is quite fascinating to hear the background story. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, uh, so two phase of in my life from around 2000 until 2007 or 8, that was my first era of managing band. But I started as a, as a radio DJ, actually. I had my own radio show. Uh, that was in 19, late 97. So I started, so as, as soon as I quit uh, doing a, working in a cruise ship, but during that cruise ship era, uh, I already had some friends who's like really into music and everything. I, I made my own compilation album when I was in the cruise ship from 93 until 97, 98. Uh, I made my own comp- compilation a- albums because I, I bought so many CDs for, for myself because I didn't have a chance to do that when I, when I was in, in Bali. Yeah. It was very limited. So I, I bought that and my, I made my own compilation and I sent it using snail mail <laughs> to Indonesia yeah. uh, to, and then to my, uh, to my younger brother. Uh, and my younger brother spread it to uh, my friends, his friends, which is the same friend. We have the same friends. And so it's purely a social circle thing. It was, yeah, just, it was just like, here's some playlists. I, I fucking love this music. Yeah, just, yeah. Just and n- n- pass it around. Not just that. I mean, like, uh, I I wrote about uh, each song, ah. why I like it, and the history, what's uh, and and the, the history of that song during my uh, teenager's era or right, in whatever, yeah, yeah. in lots of different perspective. So I, I, I sent like uh, four or five uh, uh, compilation albums, which with all the text and, and everything, that's how uh, I I was inspired to do the block rocking beats with all the, gotcha. that's how it started. Yeah, and then right. what made me very uh, surprised was it turned out, so the whole Dan Pasar, even in Tabanal in a few different cities, they copied all of my albums, no, <laughs> all of my compilation albums. So the whole Bali listen, listening to the same stuff. <laughs> oh, nice. That's the beauty of that era. And, and I really think this is something that's hard to sort of explain to someone that's just grown up in the, in the new digital generation and the, yeah. the quick stream, the quick download, the one track, you know, listen to one track and move on. Yeah. It's that whole thing. And I remember that so well of making mixtapes. And I know, you know, it's, it's the classic thing yeah. to talk about now, the old mixtape. Yeah. But it really did speak for a whole concept of spreading things yeah. from a starting point and creating a groundswell. Yeah. You know, like people don't didn't have access to, to music the way they yeah, have now. Yeah, so, yeah. so when someone handed you a mixtape, the work's been done for you. You don't yeah. have to go and buy a tape deck and try and record off the radio and put it all together yourself. You've been handed a golden yeah, platform yeah, yeah, to yeah. listen to an awesome mix of new music that yeah. someone else has done all the work for. Yeah. And if you've been right, if you've written all the notes to it, yeah, what yeah, it means, yeah. people would be loving it. Yeah, yeah, that's why. I mean, like that. I, I, I think they, they they've been doing uh, this mixtape like all like all the other kids, yeah, but with the footnotes for each song and everything that made them very uh, even more impressed yeah so that's why they they copied and then they, they can also uh spread out the what's what the song is about why mm. it's very important so so as soon as i decided to quit because i work in a cruise ship and i said this is really not my thing i the my last contract was uh traveling around the world cruise so i think oh i, I think i've seen 
lots of the different countries and you, you can just mention the city it has ports i've been there most yeah, of them uh, yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that and then so as soon as i decided to quit it took me only two or three weeks someone just came to me it's like hey you, you want to have your own radio show <laughs> That's, su- that's such a great little, like, unexpected, you know, segue into a new yeah. lifestyle, isn't yeah. it? I mean, just, just by doing something out of pure passion. It's what everyone wants. You yeah. you do something out of passion. You don't expect anything to come out of it. You yeah. think you're just showing your brother a, <laughs> a few <laughs> cool tracks. And then next thing you know, you're like, mate, I'm not stepping on that cruise ship again. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm yeah, a radio yeah, DJ yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think another, th- like you mentioned earlier that... Um, that it was your chance to buy these albums because yeah. you were travelling. So, like, you know, I grew up in Australia and, and kids had access to buying CDs, but mm. still the mixtape was a big thing. But I imagine here, a lot of kids in Bali would have been in a position where they didn't have access, yeah. just just like you. So, yeah. so their access was through you. So they, they would have spread like wildfire because it's not like it's not like they, all these kids could rock down and buy albums from the record yeah, store. They yeah, couldn't afford it or they yeah. weren't available. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, th- that's, that's why I... So uh, I did my uh, cruise ship for like uh, three contracts, right? So even from, from my very first contract when I... Uh, so, so we had after like one year uh, on a ship, you will have your uh, three, three months off or something. So when I arrived here, b- back in Bali, it's like some people just came to me and, you know, like uh, introduced themselves and just, just hang out with me. And it's like, oh, man, this is so cool. And <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I, the, the second uh, uh, my days off, I my second vacation, the circle got bigger. So even they, they started using... Uh, band's name uh, using the title of my compilation album. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So the third, the third year. Uh, I mean, after the third contract, I, three weeks after I decided to quit, uh, someone came. Uh, I mean, like a good friend came up and hey, uh, you, you want to have your own radio show? You, you can just do 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 whatever you want. Maybe use your your knowledge about about, about all the the CDs that you. You send us. Even the radio has has the copy. Yeah. So, so and then I thought, oh, what should I do? And then so I started the, the first ever alternative uh, alternative uh, radio show, mm. alternative music radio show, which which actually I didn't really talk only about punk, only about punk rock, but mostly about, about punk rock, but punk rock, mostly the '77 punk rock, but the Clash and everything. And then so I also talk about techno, about Gabriel House. About Scar, about, about the whole thing. But the idea is uh, seeing the music not only as not only as uh, like yeah y- you play uh, good stuff. No, it's it's about okay for next week. The theme is the topic is about Scar, the history of Scar. So it's like very deep research and and all that with with very limited resources. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah, and then from from that era, I started to. Also, uh, let's say in a month, I will I will dedicate one one week for uh, local bands. I I invited local bands. So I remember Dadang came to. I interviewed him. Dadang. Yeah. Dadang from, uh, from Navicula. Navicula. His Yellow first. Nihari. His first album of of Navicula. <laughs> Talk with. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and then that's that's when uh, Superman also came. Also. 
so there were two two uh, two different group at the time. Metal started their own radio show from long time ago, maybe like in 1992 or 93. Mm. But alternative and punk rock didn't have any any uh, outlet for them. So they came. They all came to me. All the non-metal kids. They all hang out. They, they all hang out at, at at my during my radio show. We drink. We drank outside, and so everyone. So all the all the guys, the big bands and everything. Uh, I know them from from very early. Right. <laughs> so that's just. Like, I mean, that's the. That that is, that is grassroots to a T. Yeah. Like you know, like sitting around drinking whiskey <laughs> on a doorstep and just going, man, we need to promote. We need to get this music out there there's not enough promoting it you know so 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 metal was a, why do you think metal was a big thing in in indonesia yeah and what, no. what what brought metal in i don't really really follow but i but from from my head what i have seen metal already has it's always been as this uh, like solid uh, brotherhood thing you mm. know yeah so even from from the very beginning but the only thing is uh, Sometimes uh, when uh, you are already in that group, that tight and everything, you these uh, young people will say, I'm cooler than you and everything. So I, if you're not into metal, you're not part of the, the, the right, coolness. Right, okay, yeah. It's so not, it, doesn't, it doesn't open up uh, the social sort of sphere. It kind of closes it down to one genre yeah. and one style of, yeah, yeah. One, one ideal. You're right, like a... Metal, you're right. Like even in in Australia, growing up, the guys that were into metal, mm. they were into metal, and that yeah. was just th- those guys didn't mix with other people. Yeah. Like, the yeah. other guys wearing the black yeah. and the you know the upside the crucifix upside down and yeah. the, yeah. the, the yeah. five pointed star and yeah. and you know I I was I wasn't a big metal fan when I was yeah. growing up, but um, I certainly got into it later. But but yeah, definitely I, th- those guys weren't mixing with any other crew. Yeah, <laughs> and they weren't. They weren't digging Eddie Vedder or anyone when he came out. They were like, that was yeah, too soft. I was, <laughs> I was really into metal until like uh, I was introduced to Creator and Spultura and, and everything. And then, but that's just it. I mean, from my era, that was my max, yeah. And then it became like more extreme. I didn't follow anymore. So, so I became like, okay, something else. Back to punk rock again and, and everything. That's why when I came back... Uh, I played more punk rock and I didn't really play metal, only like sometimes I play like thrash metal. Mm. I, I, I had my program about thrash metal because uh, if I don't know about the subject, I will not uh, talk in my radio radio show. Sure. So sometimes I talk about uh, techno music. So I invited friends who, who, who joined, who came to... So they went to school in Switzerland. So they, they were in this... Uh, uh, love parade, or they mm. saw that I invited them to to my radio show. Oh, okay. I, I talk about them, so it's not only about punk rock and sky and alternative music, also about techno. But and it was re- it sounds like it was really anything that had a decent story behind it. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. I mean that's everyone wants a good story. Yeah, and I think a lot of the a lot of the reasons songs just come and go without a thought now is because they don't have a backstory. There's no there's no deep integral reason why they made it to the top. Yeah. It's just yeah, you know, there's a massive record company who's just pumping out the hits and getting some singer to sing it, yeah. and uh, and you hear it and you go, okay, and you sing it for a day, and it, then you hate it and you move on. Yeah, yeah. But no, that you're right. I mean, you were choosing, were you choosing music to to show to people uh, based on a story that was 
sort of social or political or, or yeah, just, yeah yeah I've um, I, I've always been interested in as I told you uh, before in, in storytelling you know it's it's all based based on that you know you will if there's something extra extra information about the song or about the band or you know, singings like what happened you know so it will make people more interested you know more mm. like uh, they will dig deeper from that you know and they'll feel more connected yeah if f- feel feel more connected and that's how uh more and more people came to my radio shows like it, it became like like really big and then that's made me like okay so <coughs> uh these bands like think uh, oh this this guy know what he's doing and everything hey you want to manage us? <laughs> we propose you to to manage our band. That was the Superman is Dead. So Superman is Dead was the first band you managed. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a that's a pretty significant <laughs> band. I, I I didn't realize it was the first band you managed. I mean, I know that they are the the sort of predominant them and and Navicular, yeah. uh, the two big names that you sort of brought oh, up. Oh yeah. Before that, when I was in in university, uh, when I was a university student and everything, I was like kind of road manager for this band but I wasn't really like managing the band just helping them uh, making their life more easier okay know? sure yeah I mean and that and that whole story I mean if you were already playing with the concept of of storytelling in terms of like it, bands that you weren't even related to personally but mm-hmm. if you just loved their music and you were spreading their music and mm-hmm. telling a backstory I guess you had a really good grip on how to promote a band f- for yourself as a manager because I, I guess that's part of it, isn't it? I mean, road managing is one thing, like mm. organising a tour and dates and times mm. and hotels and you've got to get up at this time and you've got yeah. to be in the car at this time and you've got to fuck, fuck your hangover, you're getting <laughs> on stage, mate. Um, but that's that's one thing. But then being a manager that, that pushes a band into the public sphere and, and, and gets all these kids who just love them and yeah. feel connected to them, mm. that's the storytelling, right? That's, yeah, that's, yeah that's giving everyone a reason and a story yeah. to believe in that yeah yeah that's why i mean like when when they uh approach me and ask me to manage them and everything i you say hey man i don't really have like real skill to, to be a band manager and everything what i'm good at, at is actually i have to like you first so i can see you from from lots of different angles and i can t- tell a story about it mm. so and it won't be a hard selling and, and everything. It's, it's just from from my perspective and, and everything, you know. So yeah, sure, whatever. Because at the at the time, there's no like single proper manager. At yeah, the time. right. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. wasn't back. People were just going in blind. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess so, bands were just gigging and hopefully and hoping yeah. that people at their gigs would follow them. Yeah. So mm. I was like the, the I kind of the, the first guy who 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 became like the, the real proper manager and also so like uh, the first proper let's say this is the like very simple thing the first proper uh, technical riders and hospitality riders most of the bands in bali they still use my <laughs> <laughs> how I, I did is like <laughs> i hope you put some weird shit on there <laughs> just to, just so that everyone's still just demanding weird shit yeah <laughs> And lots of bands uh, just uh, copy paste what, what I wrote. Yeah, <laughs> wow. And what like in, in terms of like outside of the to- storytelling and just the just the management part in terms of taking that on and everything down to a technical writer and, yeah. a, and a food writer. 
where did you source your info for for making that happen? How did yeah, you um, at the time, um, at the time, I'm um, people. I also started my uh, clothing business, so that was during the Yahoo Groups uh, era. Yeah? So I created my own Yahoo Groups, uh, Suicide Glam, and also with Superman is Dead and everything. And I don't know why how how it happened. Just these kids from uh, Jakarta, Bandung, joined the, that thing, and then it turns out they they are the movers and shakers in their own town. So Yahoo Groups is we're talking Yahoo Mail, mm. right? And so Yahoo Groups was yeah, like mailing a, list, mailing list, uh, yeah. a mailing list. Yeah. Okay, so it's basically this is pre obviously pre Instagram and pre MySpace yeah, and pre yeah. everything, all of that pre social media. Yeah. So because I was I was going to ask, I mean, how did you spread your stories? And so that's how you did it. It was yeah, it yeah, was yeah, literally through email groups. Yeah, yeah, through through email groups and they just join. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of, of course, they as as young people uh, at the time, you you just try to find like different infos from uh, from lots of different sources, and then we were like, <laughs> and everyone uh, join us. Yeah. So, so people, uh, we became friends from yeah, from Medan, from Surabaya, from Makassar, from from everywhere. Join my mailing list, and I join other mailing lists as well. So, so we started contacting, and at at the same time, the punk rock scene it's it becomes very very, very tight. They are okay. Uh, metal people, metal people can do it. Punk rock people can do it as well. So, mm. started working together, and then I was there as well. And then I started talking with with, with some, uh, making friends with with them. And then they, they love what I, what I, what I'm doing. You know, like uh, so. I start. Uh, I have my own. Let's say uh, just one example. I have my own. The way I promote them, it's it's more about not about hey check out Superman's Dad, the f- one of the uh, biggest punk rock band from from Bali at, at the time. No, I just like I just made something like Bali's today. Bali, Bali's today. Talking about what happened. In the last two weeks in Bali, mu- in musically speaking, underground scene speaking, yeah. Mm. So, okay, uh, here uh, at the Beat Cafe or something like that, uh, Cafe Luna and or in in Denpasar, what, what happened? Because I was there also, so I I wrote about that. Okay, this band is this uh, very interesting, you know. It's new that they they just started their own rap core thingy, you know, mm. and then this place. They they played in this place. Uh, it's 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 re- it's actually a really cool place, but they don't really have the proper sound system and everything. But the energy was good. So, and then I also talk about Superman's Dead. So I gave Superman's Dead bigger space to uh, talk about. So let's okay, say other 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 event only two paragraphs for Superman's Dead, four paragraphs something like that. So it wasn't really hard selling. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean I guess you were playing almost almost the journalist and the manager at the same time. I mean, a lot of... <laughs> I haven't really heard of anyone doing that to that capacity before. Like, in the, maybe people do it in the, in the West, but, but from what I've seen, like growing up in Australia and, and seeing um, sort of dipping my head into the music scene a bit there, managers would rely on other people to create those stories. Yeah. And, and you were... And, and it was sort of almost like they had to play the game to choose the right person to tell a story, but it's never going to be the same person. 
because if, if the same journalist is always telling the same story about the band, then people are going to be like, who the fuck's paying this journalist? <laughs> like, probably the band. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but no, that's, I mean, that's really interesting that you're actually writing at the same time and, and, and you've already become a voice for people to see what's going on. Yeah. And then, yeah, that just makes sense that, yeah. the, band you're, that the band you're promoting is going to come up through that. Yeah, and then uh, that's why I I keep telling them it's like I'm not good in in this uh, uh, professional manager business manager and everything. I never use uh, title manager. I'm the propagandist. That's what they yeah. <laughs> I was called myself. <laughs> so yeah, and then uh, in the end, Rolling Stones. It's, it's public relations, mate. Propaganda <laughs> got a bad name in the second <laughs> in the war. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but then it, now it's it's. It, it becomes uh, quite okay. Um, even Rolling Stone in the end, uh, they said the first propagandist ever in Indonesia, music, music propagandist in Indonesia, it's this guy. Music <laughs> propagandist, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's also fun. And also, that's, that's why you just look at yourself. I'm, I'm a writer, I like to read, and also, yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader of like, what, what happens in music industry or the story of the band and everything. And, you just don't like to hear other people saying that my band is the best. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. I mean, people that can't tell a story will promote in a really obvious, fickle way, <laughs> yeah. you know. And you'd be like, mate, we know you love your band. Like, yeah. you're managing them. Obviously, you love them. Yeah, yeah. But if you're telling the whole story of what's going on in the industry and what what's the whole movement yeah. between different music genres and how things are growing changing, and then within that, your band is coming through it. Yeah. Yeah, then it makes a big difference. Yeah. You must have had some pretty, like just beyond that, just actually doing the doing the tours and doing the gigs across Indonesia as the band grew with Superman is Dead. You, you must have seen some wild, bizarre moments. Just, I mean, these guys ended up being, uh, we're talking thousands of people would turn up to gigs yeah. in Java and places like that. Yeah. And I mean, I used to stage manage, um, I do stage management for festivals and, and different shows in Australia. Um, sort of up into my late 20s and early 30s and I saw some pretty mental moments on stage when crowds overtook the stage and all this kind of stuff but Australia's got a lot of rules and regulations and you know there were generally things in place to stop anything going wrong you must have seen some pretty wild gigs in 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 Java you know just with thousands of kids storming the stage yeah uh, it wasn't it wasn't always like very successful and everything during my era it's Mm. because Back then, lots of punk police, you know. So, punk we, police. Yeah, punk police is like you sell out, you know. Ah, uh, so the big as soon as you start getting a name for yourself, yeah, you know, yes, you're a sellout yeah. just because people like you. Yeah. yeah, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Be, yeah, even before we joined the major label, we played in Singaraja. People already threw stones at us. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. We we haven't signed up with major labels back then, and we say. You know, in Indonesia, it's not very, you know, the, the edu- education, you know, like the very misinformed easily. Sure. They don't really get the, and especially in underground scene, you don't read the mainstream media, mm. something like that. Yeah, you know, right, you yeah. don't believe the media. So it was very fucked up, actually, but it, it's part of the journey. Mm. That's why they become very, very strong now. And then the, like, the fans are very solid and everything because mm. we went through that. You know why the the title of my biography is Miss uh, RPM uh, Racist Sellout and 
immoral. That's the title of, of, of my bi- biography about Superman's death. Right. That was the three biggest, uh, uh, biggest uh, what do you call it, the b- biggest accused. Accusations uh, that I, I, people I, were throwing at yeah, you. Yeah, right. Throwing us. Racist because I don't know who started. It was, uh, we were tagged as the racist band because we once pilots somewhere on the fuck Java <laughs> in the underground it's like oh my god it's oh, as in like wrote like graffiti or something yeah somewhere. graffiti fuck Java and so who wrote that though nobody wrote that oh it was just a weird rumour that went weird rumour and then oh, this right. underground scene they just believe uh, what they hear because they didn't want to believe them because it's alternative to mainstream media yeah, right? so yeah. as soon as an underground rumour comes through it's like that yeah. must be the truth yeah it's the classic conspiracy theory thing isn't yeah. it as long as it's opposite to mainstream media it must be true. Yeah. If you're too far and down the, the conspiracy rabbit kitchen, hole. They hated us so much. Oh, well. Oh, my God. And then Pengkhianat is a traitor or sellout. So we weren't really uh, finished with the, the whole goss, uh, accusation of being racist. And then we sign up with major labels. <laughs> and then it was just, look what you've done. <laughs> what you've done. <laughs> Time to start throwing stones. Yeah. yeah. And then, so... And then we, we were we were we were tagged as immoral bands because we brought we always brought beers on stage in in Bali. It's just normal thing, but yeah. other other places, oh my God, you're so immoral. This is so uh-huh. such a bad example. <laughs> this punk rock band, we just <laughs> drink beers. Like as if a punk rock band is going to say, oh, we better not drink beer on stage. <laughs> it's a little bit immoral. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's so this three combination, three combo. I had it hit it in us. Mm. Oh, so it made three combination of different group of people. Wow. <laughs> made. So in four four days, two big concerts in Medan. We went to Medan. This Mohawk came up to us. We couldn't finish. No, the first time was, was in Surabaya. It was the, the early days of fuck chafa issue oh, okay so we came to surabaya played in this uh, like a skateboard competition but people already talk about us so uh, we came nobody t- talked to us nobody smiled just just a few kids you know like the balinese kids who came to us then we couldn't even finish one song because these kids just got like, fuck you balinese <laughs> Really? <laughs> they were so angry. Wow. They, they really believed that we were that racist. We, we hated Japanese so much. I wonder, do you have any inclination as to who started that rumor? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. In the end, uh, there's a, a group of people that who started that, but they kept saying that we saw something, but we didn't really, we're not very sure. So I, right. I, I interviewed them. All right. And then I published my, my book. Okay, but but at the time we didn't know what's going on. It's like, hello, Strobaya. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> answered. <laughs> Man, if there's one way to make a band feel like we're a family. It's like <laughs> you want if you want to build strong ties with your band members. It's be hated by everyone else <laughs> yeah, at, at a concert. Yes. <laughs> so. Of course, when you are in Surabaya, you would try to speak in Javanese and, oh, and right. then try to be nice to them. And, oh, the more you speak Javanese, fuck you, such a fake. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
Okay, this is the first time I'm going to whoosh already. <laughs> oh my God. And it's a f- small stage. And, oh. So we had to be uh, evacuated. It by would have been, it would have gotten pretty dangerous. When you've yeah, got, Sarah was there. Sarah saw everything. Your ex wife, yeah? <laughs> yeah, my ex wife. Wow. <laughs> and you're like, so what, what happened? They just started storming the stage? Or yeah, storming we, the we, stage. Sand. What do you call it? Urine in a in, in a plastic bag. Throwing <laughs> bags of piss at you. Oh, <laughs> That's fucking punk right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had to escape after like half song. We had to escape him. Evacuated by, by the security, but not all the security helped us because they heard. Because they, they agreed with the. Yeah, because right. yeah, this, this band is racist. So, so not like we were running. Wow. So we ran, and my ex-wife uh, had all our phones, and we tried to, we tried to. Oh, wh- where's my wife? Where's my wife? Uh, where's my girlfriend? Where's my girlfriend? <laughs> oh shit! I couldn't call, contact her because all the phones are in the bag. <laughs> 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 so what? What are we talking? Like you're running out the back of a venue to try and get in a vehicle to drive yeah, vehicle, off? Yeah, vehicle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, and then Sarah was uh, helped by this. This uh, people who just pass and then that guy wearing suicide glasses. I already, uh, I already started my my business and he's wearing. Hey, that's that's my boyfriend. <laughs> please help, please help. <laughs> so she spotted someone with a suicide glam t-shirt. She went, friend, you're a friend. You're wearing his t-shirt. That's my husband's t-shirt. We need your help now. <laughs> Defend us against okay. a million people. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so so she took the. She ran away with the, this uh, in the car with the with this couple. And said, Where's your hotel? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I didn't know how how she got it. Uh, how did you find each other? Just through guesswork. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Just uh, yeah, maybe, wow. maybe God help us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if God likes punk, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think God likes punk. <laughs> so, anyway, see, and from there. We didn't know what happened, so we started asking friends. So a few punk kids came to us who support us and everything. Who said, who didn't believe what happened? And, uh, yeah, Mas, ini, uh, you are some. There are like really, really uh, big issue about that big rumor that you guys. A racist band and anti-Japanese. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's the first you even understood the reason why. Yeah. We, uh, you, so when that was happening, you didn't even have a clue why. We didn't have a clue. That's why we. Wow. We texted people. We SMSed friends in, in Surabaya. It's like, hey, uh, are you in in Surabaya? You live close close by. Can, yeah, do you have you any come? idea why people are throwing urine at us? <laughs> <laughs> Is there any particular reason why that might be happening? <laughs> that was we weren't even signed signed up with major label at the time. Yeah, but right. before that, uh, like two weeks before that, we were in Singaraja played. Hello, Singaraja and everything. Already lots of people. Well, I don't know. Only like around four Mohawk kids from the back. Like, Throwing stones. Throwing wow. stones. And then, like, what's wrong? No major label at the time. We were already, we were already accused as 
sell sellout band. Wow, just because of your popularity. Yes. That's classic, oh isn't it? God. It's amazing how quickly kids cling to that. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I remember too being at, when I was at school and and I got into when I first got into Pearl Jam and just just guys in my class who were really into alternative, alternative, alternative music, which was great, but. But if I even mentioned it, they'd be like, oh, Pearl Jam, they're, they're, they're too big. You know, I can't, they literally weren't allowed to like them because they were, because they were popular. Yeah, absolutely. And you sort of go, well, I understand if someone's doing, like, that, there's an action in what they're doing that is, that is truly selling out, mm-hmm. you know. If they're suddenly, you know, wearing Adidas and singing songs like All Day I Dream About Sex to yeah. promote Adidas... I'm I'm gonna call that a bit of a sellout, but yeah. but if they're just popular because they're good, yeah, you can't. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah that's true. We we don't understand. That's, that was, you know, when but as as you say, uh, before things got better, it gets worse, worse. Yeah. yeah. How do you say it in English? Eh? Uh, so it's like a shifting before you go to to the next level. So mm. okay. We, I didn't know before. It was like, oh my god, this is such a big job. <laughs> yeah, right. You were and just thinking it was the end. Like you were going to get. You were just. Were yeah. you thinking this is it? We're we're screwed. Uh, no, the the thing is, what we believe is this is uh, okay. We were so so surprised at at the time. We were so shocked. So, and then we, a few weeks after that, we signed up with major label. After we we've been talking with major label. This major label story also. Pretty interesting, actually, mm. because when we, when here, when when a band join major label, they will said they will be said, oh, you become a different band and everything. What they don't understand about Superman is that it took us around six months to talk with with the major label, and then took us for uh, six months because no, 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 we don't. Of course, major label will come come to you, mm. and then say. We would like you to do this. They're like, of course, they're very ethical. They act, yeah, yeah, yeah. but actually, just want to force you to do what they want, yeah. which you didn't agree. And at the time, we already didn't believe in this indie distribution, distribution, and everything because nobody really gives us. Wasn't helping you. <laughs> yeah, anyway, and also yeah. nobody gives us reports about how much they already sold our album and everything. And when we asked, bro, um, you haven't given us. The report for the previous month yet. Hey, dude, you don't believe me? Oh. Are we friends? <laughs> I was like, fuck. So no, fine, just give us some facts and figures. <laughs> yeah, facts and figures. <laughs> That's why. And and then we decided to okay, uh, this is really bad. We would like to be serious in in music and everything's serious in the meaning of to be distributed well. Mm. The only way to do that is via major label. Major label. And I mean, the thing is, if you can sign up to a major label but stand your ground and yeah. and and define a contract where you can still 100% be who you are and do what you want to do but have the distribution that they yeah. that they can give you i mean that kind of deserves a bit of a tip of the hat that's like you haven't given in you haven't sold out yeah you've gained access you know and you've stood your ground at the same time so it's kind of more admirable but i guess for you know for a lot of kids it's just like oh sell out yeah. <laughs> major label but <laughs> You're fucked. <laughs> but at the time, uh, now he's he's the uh, online managing editor for for Rolling Stone. He was there. He he saw everything. You know, mm. he followed us. He already he was already like a indie journalist. Yeah. 
at the time. So he always always supported us. If uh, people attack us and everything, he will. I also uh, re release my own um, statements. He will also do something else from because he knows what's going on, and people mm. also listen to him. Now, uh, yeah, I, I get lots of support from from those uh, those kind of people. That's why we're still strong. That the thing with that um, fuck Java thing is we can't, we couldn't really say that if someone from Java invited us, invited us to play at, in that place, it's very <laughs> big big dilemma for us. If we say yes, it means suicide. If we don't say yes, it means meaning, we're racist. <laughs> <laughs> So every time I have to, I have to. That's where I learn. You know, it makes me. It it has made me uh, like. A, I have to write something from different angle and always mm. and have to be like really calm. And I couldn't be. How do you say? It? Yeah, make like a, a good statement, making like calm, not very emotional. That's mm. that's how I learn my thing. So I. I Oh my God! And then I wasn't just the manager. That's why I was the propagandist. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there you have it—a wee little chat with Day Two. Uh, that was fun, fun time up on the rooftop with Day Two, sinking some whiskey. Uh, Day Two uh, also manages Liana, myself, uh, a band called Manja, and the last podcast you heard James from Manja singing on the rooftop. Uh, so everyone's rather connected. Nepotism. It's what you get around here. Uh, small world, small world. Uh, so that probably wraps it up for today. I think you've heard enough from me. You've heard some beautiful music. You've heard a cool little chat there with a master of the music industry. So let's sign off. Uh, and don't forget, if you're listening to this by Tuesday, September 11th, get to the orchard to watch Elephant Kind, who kicked us at Sound Journaling and will kick us at the orchard meanwhile stick around for some more amazing stuff performances whatever we decide to throw up there on our rooftop this is me athron signing out until next time adios get up the roof <laughs>